You're listening to the Tree of Life podcast, where we desire to be a bridge between the two covenantal peoples, physical Israel and spiritual Israel, by inspiring the non-Jewish part of Messiah's body to reconnect with its Jewish roots through biblical teaching and worshipful demonstrations, and to work towards greater understanding and reconciliation between Messiah's body and traditional Judaism. And now, here's Rabbi Joel Lieberman. Book of Psalms tonight. Summertime in the Psalms is our series, and we've been having a good time. Tonight we're going to begin in Psalm 23, a psalm that nobody's ever read in their lives, ever, never heard of. Just probably skip over it in your Bibles. You've never read it. But I want to talk about contentment tonight for a few minutes. You would think that is Americans of all, of all people with so many material comforts that we have and the high standard of living that we would be content. But our discontent tips its hand in our constant striving after more things, in our living on credit, in our insatiable lust for gadgets. David Berger and I are going to go to Costco. I'm going to get myself a new TV tomorrow. I have to have it. The TV's on the blink. But I was thinking about it tonight. I'm still going to get it, but we have an insatiable lust for gadgets. And in widespread restlessness. In addition to all, to add to this discontent, we have witnessed unprecedented numbers flocking to psychotherapists, reading self-help books to promise, that promise to sort out all of the inner turmoil in our lives. Stemming from maybe a difficult past. This is not just an issue for non-believers, my friends, but for Yeshua followers as well. But the scripture says that Adonai has provided us with everything pertaining to life and godliness, right? And we're to be content with his provision. Psalm 23 is the psalm of a contented heart. In it, David, the shepherd king, shows us that contentment comes from experiencing all that our good shepherd has provided for us. The 23rd Psalm is probably the most beloved text of the entire Bible in our English-speaking world. It is cited or heard not only as part of hymns, it's in liturgies, it's in sermons, but also it's been found in movie scripts, right? Symphonies even, and popular songs. A couple of years ago, Bible Gateway published a list of the top 10 searched-for Bible verses on their website. Did you know five of the 10 verses that were searched for are from Psalm 23? And I'm certain that people around the world have turned to this psalm over the past two and a half years as we we have all been facing global crises, plural, and deep uncertainty about the future. In this psalm, David compares his relationship to the Lord with that of a contented sheep with its caring shepherd. It was a familiar analogy in David's time. I know there are some here that have a lot of experience. I don't know if Barbara's here or not. Is she here tonight? She's out there. Yeah, she, she's, she has a lot of sheep. She had a lot of sheep. But personally, the only time that I've been around sheep is when I've gone to the San Diego Zoo and pet them for a few minutes. And also, though, a decade ago for a few hours, guys, you can put that picture up. I was on a farm in northern Israel, and that was a few hours with some sheep. 
So I don't have a lot of experience, but I've done a lot of reading to help me craft this message on this psalm, notably sections from the classic Philip Keller's 1970 classic, A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is a spiritual history of the Yeshua follower, of us, describing the steps to experiencing the contentment that comes from Adonai's provision in the Messiah Yeshua, our good shepherd. If you're taking some notes, step number one, there are some steps here to experiencing contentment. Number one, the first step is to make the Lord your shepherd. Look with me, verse 1, Psalms chapter 23. A Psalm of David, Adonai is my shepherd. I shall not want. Why do you and I turn to Psalm 23 in times of crises? I think it's because of this. I think it's because of the first person singular pronouns here. I, me, mine. In other words, King David did not write, Adonai is a shepherd. Adonai is this shepherd. Adonai is our shepherd. Instead, the very first verse begins with this powerful affirmation. Adonai is my shepherd. You see, it's one thing to know that Adonai is a good shepherd in general. It's another thing to entirely know that he is my good shepherd. He's your good shepherd. Adonai doesn't merely care about Israel or about the world as a whole. Psalm 23 reminds us that he also knows and he cares about me. He cares about you specifically. My friends, if Adonai is your shepherd tonight, then you can trust him. And he sees you. And he cares about you on a personal level. He knows your name. And he knows all that you need. Can you believe that tonight? If you feel alone tonight, maybe you're feeling afraid or what tomorrow holds, he sees you tonight and he cares about you. If you're sick tonight, if you're maybe watching and you're in pain, I know there's plenty of that going around. Adonai is concerned about you. And ultimately, how many of you know God wants to lead you into a very good place where your future is secure and you have all that you need and more? In addition, I think the key in verse 1 to not wanting, again, is to have the Lord as your shepherd. I think, I think it's very significant that Psalm 23 follows Psalm 22 that we looked at last Shabbat. In Psalm 22 last Shabbat, we saw that the Messiah was forsaken of Adonai as he bore our sin on the tree of sacrifice. It's only after we read that in Psalm 22 that Adonai is my shepherd. We must believe and we must trust in Adonai's son as our sacrificial substitute who died on the execution stake for our sins before we can know him as the good shepherd who meets our every single need. In other words, without Psalm 22, there can be no Psalm 23. My friends, if you know the suffering servant of Messiah in Psalm 22 by trusting him via his death on the tree, and you're seeking to follow him, you and I can say like David says here, the Lord, the covenant-keeping faithful God, is my personal shepherd. I see a couple of truths presented here. Number one, I see the depth of God's love for his children here causes God to protect, to guide, and to be near to each one of us, just as a good shepherd does for his own sheep. 
As believers, how many of you know we are the Lord's sheep? We belong to Him. We receive His special affection and attention. And we respond to His voice. And we follow Him as His sheep. And so to summarize, step number one to contentment is to know that the Lord Yeshua is your personal shepherd. We want to be content. Step number two to contentment is to know and enjoy the good shepherd's gracious provisions. Look with me, verse 2. He makes me what? Lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's, name's sake. God has granted again to us everything that pertains to life and godliness. But many followers of Yeshua today are not content. Why? Because they don't know what God has provided supernaturally and abundantly for them. David mentions several things that God has provided. It's a good reminder for us. Look with me. Number one, the good shepherd provides spiritual food, doesn't he? He makes me lie down in green pastures. How many of you know if you're watering every other day now, your lawns are not looking as green as they had been? Sheep grazed on the fertile grass produced by rain in the days of Israel, in the days of these scriptures. Sheep, how many of you know, will not lie down until they've eaten enough. And because of the protective presence and nearness of the shepherd, they can do so in peace and be free from all fear. That's how a sheep rolls. Then they will contently die, lie down to, to chew their cud. Confidence and shalom, peaceful rest, will be in, quote, green pastures. That's a figure of speech for what makes you and I grow, what, what makes you and I thrive in Yeshua. Green pastures. My friends, God's word is the full banquet he has provided for his sheep, for us to grow and thrive in life. And this is probably the main reason why we lack contentment, I think. We don't consistently feed on God's word. Instead, too often, and I'm preaching to myself tonight, we fill our minds with poisonous weeds. What are those? Too much television, bad movies, daily news, and then we wonder why we're stressed out and we're anxious and we're, full and we're troubled. God's word has milk for the baby and the Messiah, and he has meat for the more mature. If we would feed on it daily, if we would chew on it as a sheep chews its cud, we would find contentment in Messiah himself. So point number one is the good shepherd provides us some spiritual food. But the good shepherd provides other things as well. Spiritual drink that we just read in these verses, doesn't he? He leads me, what? Besides still waters. That is, waters by which the flock may rest because their thirst has been quenched. Waters which are not turbulent. Waters which hence are then easy to drink from. You see, a sheep, it's a crazy word, isn't it? It's a singular and it's a plural. Sheep. Singular and plural. Isn't that crazy? Anyway. A sheep cannot be content if it is thirsty. But sometimes stubborn sheep will not wait for the clear, pure water that the shepherd is leading them to. And again, Barbara could probably tell you this more than anybody. They stop to drink from the polluted potholes along the trails, contaminated with manure and the urine of previous flocks. Now, it satisfies their thirst for the moment, but what happens eventually is they get riddled with parasites and disease. It's the price they pay for instant gratification 
and not following the shepherd to clear water. Truthfully, some Yeshua followers are like those sheep. They don't want to wait upon the Lord to fulfill their inner longings. They want a quick fix. They want instant happiness. And so they go for the polluted potholes of the world. They shrug and they say, well, what can that hurt? Well, they don't realize that the consequences, just like that sheep developing parasites and disease, the consequences of sin are oftentimes delayed. Seeds that are sown to the flesh take a while, right, to sprout up. And suddenly then the person finds himself or herself deep in deep trouble and then blames God for their problems. Sometimes we're like that as his sheep. So the good shepherd provides us drink, spiritual food. But look what David says. It provides us, he provides us spiritual restoration, right? He restores my soul. The Hebrew word restore here, shuv, means turning back or refreshing. Perhaps the sheep have strayed off the trail to nibble on some interesting looking plants, not knowing that those plants are poisonous. Or perhaps maybe they've even gotten separated from the flock and a predator is ready to pounce. Sheep can also become, this is interesting, they can become cast where they roll over on their backs and they're not able to right themselves. You know, if you find a sheep in that position, they're going to die unless the shepherd helps them, tips them back upright within just a couple of hours. My friends, when you and I as God's children become discouraged, the good shepherd revives us. He re-energizes us. He restores our souls through his power and his goodness. Isn't that good news? As God's sheep, we can stray from the path that he has called us to walk in. Some enticing diversion from the world or some desire of our old nature lures us to do what? To separate ourselves from the rest of the flock and from the shepherd. The book of Hebrews tells us, do not forsake the episunagogin of yourselves. You hear the word in there. Together. Our enemy is waiting to pick off straying sheep. Hello? And so when you and I start to stray, we're in grave danger and we need restoration. Now, God uses two ways to do that restoration, by the way. He uses his word and he uses people. His word points us, points out the fact we are off the path. We are way off the reservation and what we must do to be restored. That's the function of the word of God. In addition, God has entrusted to those who are spiritual the ministry of using his word to help restore straying sheep. That is not the fun part of my job, but it is a part of getting us back on the right path. And notice that the good shepherd provides not only spiritual restoration, he provides spiritual guidance as well. Look with me. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. We all need guidance with how to live in this Meshuggah world. Amen? It's crazy. God's word tells... It, that's the rabbi's phone. Just to let you know, that's the rabbi's phone. God has his ways of humbling us. God's word tells us, go this way. <laughs> Good one. There's always a comedian in the house, isn't there? All the time. 
I told you, Robert, we're all struggling Jewish comedians, and you're working your material out here, and that was actually pretty good. Let's give him a hand clap. That was pretty good. I like it. God's word tells us, go this way. Don't go that way. God's name is bound up with us as his followers. He's chosen to identify his holy name with us. If we live just like the world, we cause his name to actually be blasphemed. Let's read on. Step number three. If we want to be content, we're to walk with the good shepherd through the hard times. Verse four. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Walking with the good shepherd through the tough times in life. The good shepherd does not provide contentment by keeping his flock from trials. Hello? But rather by providing, it says here, his presence in the midst of trials. It's worth noting that in verses 1, 2, and 3, David uses the third person, he, to refer to the Lord. But when he speaks about times of trial here in verses 4 and 5, David shifts to the more intimate second person, the you pronoun. In a time of trial, we need to draw closer in fellowship with the good shepherd. We don't want to pull away from him in times of trial. We don't want to do that in anger or hurt. That's not the way to go, folks. These types of There are three types of trials that David's talking about here, and they finish, they fulfill the trials that we experience all the time. Trials of fear, right? The valley of the shadow of death. You see, sometimes the shepherd has to lead his sheep through some very dark valleys. There are dangers involved. The Hebrew in verse 4 does not necessarily point to mavet, to death, although that could be involved here. Rather, he's pointing to a fearful place of extreme danger and darkness. You see, sometimes we as Yeshua followers, we express a desire, man, to walk on a higher plane in the messianic life and the experience. But we often mistake, we mistakenly think that God airlifts his flock to that place. He doesn't do that. (laughs) No, the only way to higher ground is to walk with the good shepherd through some very scary and fearful valleys where we might despair even at times of life itself. Have any of you ever been in place and are willing to admit that the shepherd's presence there are two things that give contentment to the sheep when they walk through this very dangerous valley of fear the shepherd's presence and the shepherd's rod and staff David says here the rod it's like a short club it was a symbol of authority to ward off predators to discipline wayward sheep It's a comfort to know that God is in charge and to be subject to his authority in times of fear. Now, the staff, if you've ever seen a staff, that long, slender stick with a hook on one end of it was a symbol of concern used to draw the sheep close to the shepherd, to guide them on the right path or renew or rescue it from trouble. The sheep would be comforted in the rod. They would be comforted in the, in, with the staff, knowing that they were, those two items would be used for their benefit, even if it might hurt at times. 
trials of conflict. It says, in the presence of my enemies. The scripture is clear. The messianic life is not free from conflict. Have you noticed? <laughs> Looking back at the end of his life, Rabbi Saul called his ministry a fight. My friends, if you stand for God's word in truth, you are going to have enemies. You're going to have conflict. Nobody, now there might be a crazy person in here, but nobody likes conflict. I'm not saying you're not born for conflict, but you don't like it. But the good shepherd takes care of his own by preparing a table for us in the presence of our enemies. That's crazy, but I love that promise. And finally, there's also trials, not only of fear and of conflict in our lives, there are trials of irritation. Anointed my head with oil, David writes. Shepherds anointed sheep with oil to heal their wounds and to keep, keep the flies and the bugs off them. Sheep cannot lie contently if insects are swarming around their nostrils or their ears or their open wounds. So what would the shepherd do? He would pour oil on those things. My friends, isn't it true that it's the little irritations? I walked into this building tonight. I was ready to preach the word. Hit immediately, Rabbi, we've got no water tonight. And how many of you know I answered that with, just praise the Lord, Baruch Hashem. <laughs> no, I did not do that. You did not see me at 4 to 4.30 today. It was kind of dispatching orders around. We're going to do this, that, and the other. Listen, it's the irritations that rob us of our contentment at times. And to cope with frustrating circumstances and to cope with frustrating people in our lives, we need qualities like love, joy, shalom, patience. We can white out that one. We don't need that one, actually. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Where do these come from? Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit. In Scripture, oil is a picture of the Ruach. Our Good Shepherd has given us the oil of the Spirit to keep irritations from bugging us. No pun intended. Contentment comes from walking with the Good Shepherd in trials of fear, in trials of conflict, and of irritation. Step number four is to see God's goodness in every situation, both now and in the future. Final verse, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of Adonai forever. Two sheepdogs actually follow God's sheep continually. How many of you know what their names are? Goodness and mercy. You see, the rest of the world pursues goodness and mercy. But we have God's goodness and mercy pursuing us. Remember with Joseph, right? Genesis 37 through 40. We may go through horrible trials like Joseph, which we don't understand at the time. But also, just like Joseph, we can always look back and we can say, like Joseph, quote, Yes, you yourself planned evil against me to his brothers. God planned it for good. April, if you'd come up tonight, we're going to 
pass on the next psalm. I feel it's an appropriate way to close out tonight with the Good Shepherd staying with us through life's journey. We will receive constant guidance. We will receive his constant help, his constant kindness, his constant support. No matter what happens in our lives, we can trust Adonai to work for our good in all situations, in all circumstances. In our future, by the way, how many of you know, it is secure. The world doesn't want you to know that. We will always be in God's fold in this life and in eternity. He loves us. He cares for us so much. We're the most blessed sheep on the planet. So why are we going elsewhere? The thought in the phrase, dwell in the house of the Lord forever, is that of actual fellowship with Adonai as a member of his household. Rav Shaul put it like this, though the world counts us as sheep for the slaughter, quote, we are Woo! Come on, somebody. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So as we wrap up this psalm, let me just ask us a few questions tonight. Are we a contented sheep tonight in Adonai's pasture? Do we walk every day in the conscious joy of of all the spiritual riches that are ours in Messiah? Or could it be, probably, that we've gotten a little bit caught up in the world, we've got a little bit caught up in the pleasures of the world, we complain and we gripe a lot. I know that's part of a Jewish DNA strand to complain, but we're not to remain there. I got so doggone upset and angry watching Trump get his Mar-a-Lago getting raided. I, I felt like I was getting out of the spirit. Letting the world kind of wash over me. We're actually lacking the contentment he wants us to have. Real contentment comes, if you'd stand with me tonight, from experiencing all that the good shepherd has provided for us. It is available to us in the Messiah Yeshua for every one of his sheep. Let's not miss it. As we've experienced restful Shabbat today, we love to sing a song here to move us into that time of Havdalah, and then we're going to have a wonderful feast that Victor and his team have been preparing on the patios outside. So let's sing this out. Behold, God is our salvation. Behold, God is our salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid. For the Lord my God is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. For the Lord my God is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. La 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 la.
Hallelujah. You may be seated for a minute. April, if you just stay up and noodle a little bit. We, tonight, we actually say farewell to the Sabbath. Yeah, we can give a collective. Oh, all right. Through the ceremony of Havdalah or separation. It's therefore kind of a melancholy ceremony, but it's optimistic as well. Saddened by the passing of Shabbat, we look forward to a time when every day can be as holy and special as Shabbat. And so Havdalah recognizes the separation of the, of the peace of Shabbat and then the rush of the ongoing week. We greet one another as Shabbat arrived last night with a Shabbat Shalom. And now our final words at Havdalah are our way of speaking forth a blessing over each one here as we say Shavua Tov. May you have a good week. And so our Havdalah set tonight consists of a cup of wine, grape juice in this case, filled and overflowing into a dish. This is a visual sign as we do this of fullness and of completion of the week. Also quote, this cup which is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood, Yeshua said, likened as a symbol of the joy of the Sabbath rest of the Lord. His word lived out as the water transformed into wine. His word transformed into our joy. And so we have the clay spice box filled with cloves, cinnamon, rosemary, and lavender. This box of spices is to cheer the soul. My soul is cheered. It really is. I'm not thinking about the bathrooms right now. I'm not thinking about the no water. And the My soul is cheered. Let's get some of that stuff in our home. Our soul is cheered because Shabbat is departing and should carry us through the pressures of the week until once again we can celebrate the Shabbat. This can also be viewed that our new covenant lives, our new creation lives, live out consistently before the throne of God is like a sweet-smelling aroma in the nostrils of the Lord as the burnt offering of the Mishkan, the tabernacle, once did. And finally, we have the Havdalah candle. This twisted candle represents light, the first element created by Adonai at the beginning of the first week. And according to the Talmud, the candle must be a torch. And so the candle has more than one wick tonight. We have four wicks on this one. You can get a Havdalah candle that have up to 15 wicks. And the resulting bright ish, bright fire, symbolizes the difference between the spiritual and material worlds. The spiritual world is a world of light. It needs no fire for illumination. And Shabbat can be viewed as the gateway to that spiritual world. But the days of the week are part of the material world, and they need fire for illumination. And thus, the bright fire of this candle recalls the mundane days of the week. And so together as one, we stand here gazing at the blaze of light. In the light of Shabbat, we have learned more of what it is, I hope you have over the last 24 hours, of what it is to love one another. We had an amazing time as men this morning at Victor's home and Sheila's home, and he gave us a devotional out of John chapter 21 of what it is to love one another on the beach eating breakfast with Yeshua, not withholding back, not holding back who we are from one another. And in so doing, we stand up as one into the fullness of who we are as the body of the Messiah, lifting up the head, the rosh, the light of the world, Yeshua HaMashiach. It is He, my friends, right, that brings the light into the darkness of life. And our prayer is that we might be reminded that we are children of the light. Let us walk 
in the light as he is in the light. And we also finally have our challah from last night's dinner on Erev Shabbat. And we say as we have already sung, Hine el Yeshuati, Eftach velo efchad. Behold, God is our salvation. I trust in him, right? We will not be afraid. With joy we shall draw water from the wells of salvation. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. You have saved us, O Lord. You have answered us, O our King, when we called upon you. Give us light, give us joy, give us gladness, give us honor, even as then the happiest days of Israel's past. And we will therefore with joy abundantly lift up the cup of Yeshua to rejoice in your redeeming power and call out your name in praise. Hallelujah. Baruch melech alam, peri Blessed are you, O Lord our God, ruler of the universe. Woo! who has brought forth the fruit of the vine in Yeshua's name. We say, Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech alam, borei minei v'samim. Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, creator of the universe, who brings forth and creates the spices and finally, Baruch Atah Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam, Hamotzi Lechem Min Haaretz. Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, who brings forth grain from the earth. We give thanks for the Sabbath day, for it is now ended in another hour and a half or so. We're so grateful for its many blessings. Blessed is the Lord our God, King of the universe, who separates sacred from profane, light from darkness, the seventh day from rest, from the six days of labor, and as your body of believers from the world of sin and corruption by Yeshua's redemptive work. Blessed is the Lord who separates the sacred from the profane. I'm going to ask our guests to come forward tonight. We are going to do that, yes, and we're going to kind of be sad for that. When the Zimmermans and I and Darcy and I traveled with them to Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, that was a tough ministry assignment, Puerto Vallarta. <laughs> Actually, I was on one of those trips where I got caught in the elevator, and it was like 110 degrees, and I thought, this is how I go. I'm done. I remember that. Nobody was answering the call from the elevator, and I was probably in there 15 minutes, and I thought, I am done. I am cooked, literally. <laughs> And then that night, it came out, and we had our service. Praise the Lord, he got me out of there. And Rabbi Jack gave the ironic blessing, and it just did my soul so much good for that time. And I wanted us to receive God's blessing from Rabbi Jack tonight, from the Lord's, the Lord's prayer. Yeah, it's on. It should be on. Praise the Lord. Would you all please rise if you're able? I will pronounce this blessing over us first in English. And second, in what we call la lengua de los cielos, español. 
And then third, I will sing it over us in the Hebrew. And to each and every one who's come tonight, whether you are here live or watching us on the internet, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and to be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and may he grant you his peace. El Señor te bendiga y te guarde. El Señor haga resplandecer su rostro sobre ti y tenga de ti misericordia. El Señor alce sobre ti su rostro y le ponga en ti paz. And all of God's people said, Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. outside on the patios. Some excellent dinner tonight. I hope you brought your appetites physically as well. You can enter, exit out of those doors. We'll see you outside. Thanks for joining us this week. Make sure to visit our website, treeoflifeca.org, and be sure to subscribe to the show in iTunes, Google, Spotify, or via RSS, so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you've found value in this show, we'd appreciate a ratings on iTunes, or simply tell a friend about the show. That would help us out too. If you like this show, you might want to check out our Facebook page, Tree of Life Messianic Jewish Congregation, to see more content, including our weekly live stream. Be sure to tune in for our next episode as we continue to explore our Jewish roots through Scripture. <laughs>